Welcome to the Ocean Lovers Podcast. It's Erica here, and we have Kirsty. Hello. (laughs) We're happy to be recording. Um, It's been about a week since our last podcast. We did just drop it today, though, so I know a few people have listened Mm -hmm. so far, so that's really cool. And we have a special guest on the podcast, and we're really excited to have him. Adam? Is that right? Is that right? Come in. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, just say hey. So this is Adam um, Ernster, right? How yes. Did you say your last name? Yes, that's Ernster. Yeah, Adam right Ernster. on. So yeah, this is somebody that I don't know. I've been following on Instagram for a few years, like a while actually, and I feel oh. like you're like my whale twin. Like <laughs> I would I agree with like that. We are passion levels for whales are like at an all-time high i think in like comparison to a lot of other people we're like obsessed with whales totally and i feel like we're equally so and like equally excitable about whale topics and stuff oh yeah i just can't shut up about it so i know i feel like we have a lot of mutual (laughs) friends too but weirdly enough we've never actually bumped into each other yet i know it's crazy yeah because it's a pretty small whale community yeah but it's definitely california you got like the Monterey yeah. group and then like the SoCal yeah. group and yeah. I guess Santa Barbara is kind of right in the middle but I know everybody yeah, from like both sides so I'm kind of stuck right in the middle yeah yeah that's so funny but yeah sometime I'll make it up to Santa Barbara or you, yeah, you definitely. have to come down here to Newport once everything goes you I know, know everything's back, back to normal. normal yeah how how have you been good so I'm just like taking online classes right now um I go to UCSB and uh, I'm just missing the ocean a whole ton, to be honest. Yeah, um, hopefully I can maybe get out in like the next week or so. I'm trying to do like a, I don't know if you guys follow Maya's Legacy. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, they, oh, yeah, the yeah they were doing the live stream. So I brought that up to my boss and was like, hey, you know, I feel like this is, this would be really good to try to connect people with the ocean during these like tough times. And uh, so we're going to try yeah. to do that next next week once the weather gets a little bit better. better but, oh, yeah. my gosh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. A lot of people right now are turning it, uh, like, tuning into the live streams. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah, I mean, everybody's just kind of stuck at home, like, wishing they were yeah. on the ocean. Yeah. So I don't blame yep. them. Yeah. So we have um, a little game that we want to play with you before we get too far um, into our conversation today. <laughs> we're going to do like a little, I love this. Yeah, we're going to do a little <laughs> rapid fire round with you. Love it. So we're going to ask you a few questions and don't think too much about it. Just the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Sounds good. Ready? Yeah. It's like our it's like our little icebreaker. We try to. Get yeah, I've heard a uh, guess on here. Few, OK, yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe you have your answers already, but that's okay. So, <laughs> what's your favorite marine animal? That's a tough one. Um, there's so many great animals out there. Probably killer whales. I think that's the answer yeah. for most, yeah, for most was, people. That's what I thought. Yeah, most people say um, that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but they are—they're amazing. Yeah, they're they the really are. Yeah, they are. Um, uh, what is the your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Favorite place I've ever traveled. Um, I love this place in Baja, Mexico that is called Bahia de Los Angeles, uh, Bay of the Angels. Um, it's a pretty secluded little bay. Um, I did like two years of like independent research with my community college down there. Oh, um, wow. It was really rad. And uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite spot. They got like pretty much everything you can imagine. Um, blue whales, fin whales, humpbacks, killer whales, pseudo orca, common dolphins, uh, oh my whale God. sharks, um, pretty much oh. everything you could ever want. 
Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds, sounds really awesome. Yeah, that's definitely like the top place I've been so far. Oh, that's so cool. I want to hear more about that. Definitely. Um, okay, so next question. What animal or type of marine life has piqued your interest and you would want to learn more about it? Um, I would probably say the ETP killer whales. Um, Ooh, yes. Oh. I guess technically that was the second ecotype of killer whales I had seen in the wild. I saw J-Pod back when I was like, even before I was even really, really into this stuff. Um, but when I saw the ETPs back in 2018, that was kind of that crazy week that Newport had that when they were around for like a week straight. Um, oh, man. Oh, wow. And so just, you know, the way that they kind of act, they're really different than any of the other ecotypes I've encountered. Um, they kind of act like common dolphins. Um, but at the, at the same time, they just like slay common dolphins and, and not much is known Whoa. about them. Um, Mm-hmm. they're just not cited huh. a whole ton their population numbers aren't really known um yeah i would love to literally just like buy a boat make a <laughs> make a little tent and like live in mexico yeah. like on the beach for like oh four months and gosh. just like be in isolation. i'm so down to be part of that research <laughs> right? project yeah that's, that, that's that's the goal one day so that's hopefully yes. what we can do, but we'll see oh that's so cool um okay what's your favorite food <laughs> Favorite food. I'm a sucker for chicken sandwiches. Literally, like Ooh. any kind of chicken sandwich. I, I don't know. It's just like a weird thing that I've kind of loved since I was a little kid. But that's like comfort food. Yeah, exactly. Literally, just comfort food. Huh. Something that makes my stomach uh, hurt a little bit later, but that's alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, what marine animal do you? Th- Wait. Oh yeah. What marine animal do you think would best describe your personality and why? Um. Let's see. I'd probably say humpbacks for a couple of reasons. Um, I'm a pretty like just chill kind of person. Um, I don't really tend to like, I don't party or anything. I don't really like, I'm not very loud. And I feel like humpbacks, <laughs> like uh, uh, the humpbacks we see in Santa Barbara, right? They just like love to kind of just hang out by the boat and chill. And they're always just yeah. like, just yeah. chilling. Um, but at the same time, like, once you get to know me, um, I feel like I'm pretty outgoing. So I feel like humpbacks are the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hump- oh I love humpbacks. humpbacks. I would describe myself as a humpback too. Yeah. Even for like even different reasons than that. But you're right. It is like they're just the best. They're awesome. Yeah. I just said orca are the best. Humpbacks are the best. They're all the best. It's funny though because I always think orca. Like when I think of Adam, I think of orcas. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, that was cool. So we're going to kind of turn the podcast over to you, Adam, and we want you to just tell us about yourself and what you do and why you're an ocean lover and just, yeah, some of your backstory. And how you came about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm Adam. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I currently work for um, Condor Express Whale Watching um, as a photographer, naturalist, deckhand, um, kind of everything all in between. Um, and I also, in the summers, work up in Washington um, to work with like the killer whales. I work for um, whale watch companies up there. Last year, I worked for Outer Island Excursions, which is on Orcas Island. And this summer, I'm supposed to be working with Mize Legacy. We're going to see how all this corona stuff plays out. Um, but yeah, I've just kind of gained my love for the ocean, kind of just like my whole life. Um, I grew up in Florida. Oh, no uh, way. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, well, I was born in California, and then when I was three, I moved to Florida. And then when I was, like, eight, I moved back to California. But, um, 
I spent my like little kid years in Florida and I grew up on a lake. Um, and I kind of like attribute that to being like a little microcosm for the ocean. Yeah. Um, wow. so I was out there like catching fish, catching snakes. Um, I was the same way as a kid. Yeah. I was just like constantly exploring my backyard. Um, and so, yeah, I was just kind of like my mini ocean and that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. Um, I'm also really into like, or for the longest time I was into reptiles. My dad bought me like my first iguana when I was three years oh. old. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, like, the iguana was, like, as big as I so I have a bunch of kind of funny pictures and videos from that time. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you have some kind of reptile now, don't you? Yeah, I have two big green, uh, big red iguanas. Um, Oh, whoa, that's cool. And I've I've had them for, like, seven years. I grew them from, like, little babies. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah, I've always just been an animal lover. Um, Steve Irwin was a huge inspiration for me. Me too. Uh, yeah, I love Steve Irwin. I think I've told yeah. you this before, but I named my dog Bindi after Steve Irwin's yeah. daughter Bindi. She's like <gasps> oh, my no, you, idol. You never told me that. Yeah. So Aww. I I am obsessed with Steve Irwin too. I remember when the day Steve Irwin died. I still think about this. Me and my best friend Marissa made matching T-shirts that said "R.I.P. Steve Irwin" and wore them to school. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day too. I was like a, I was probably like eight years old. Yeah, Let's see, no, I think 2000, I was like 10. I think, how, how old are you, Adam? It was 2006. I'm 21. Oh, um, my gosh. Okay, I'm 21? I'm 28. Yeah. Well, how did you think I was? Same age. Oh, oh that's how so do, funny. How old do I look? How old do I look? I, I don't know. You look about, like, 25. <laughs> I thought you were, like, 25. Yeah. I think it's the beard. Maybe. Uh, probably. Yeah, that's so beard funny. It adds a couple years. Yeah, it really does. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm 21. So... <laughs> Sorry, my dog, Bindi, is barking right now. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, Steve Irwin was, I must have been, like, quite a, I must have been, like, wait, 21? Well, it was in 2006 he died. Um, Oh, my gosh. So, I was, like, way too old to be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember that day, like, so vividly. I remember, like, my dad telling me and like, let's see, I, 2006, so I was, yeah, I was eight. Um, And I just remember, like, thinking he was lying and then going into the living room and like looking at the tv oh, and like no. seeing like crocodile hunter dead and i literally cried for like three days straight like, oh my gosh me too oh, no. that was like my first probably loss you know yeah life. no definitely and you know oh, it's that's... it's it's really interesting like people like that you know you don't know them per se but you kind of do, do. Um, re- especially him like we knew him yeah and like you know he was so real on tv and really advocated for our oceans and the crocodiles mm-hmm. and the forest and everything. So yeah. when you have somebody like that mm-hmm. that's so influential, when you lose them, it's it, it really does have an impact whether you knew them in person or not. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I read something by Jane Goodall and I was like, I actually thought that in my head, I was like, oh my God, we're going to lose Jane someday. Like that yeah. can't happen. Aww. Same thing with David Attenborough. I'm not ready for that one. Yes. Oh my God. He's, right. he's getting old too. He's like 93. Oh no. (laughs) But yeah, just these amazing people. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about like from when you were young, like from the time Steve Irwin died to like where you are. What else? Yeah. So I've, like I said, always kind of kept reptiles. That's kind of like, I think every kid loves dinosaurs. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are kind of like my mini reptiles. Um, I've kept them all the way up until um, when I was in high school, I started like breeding iguanas and like actually like really getting into it I think I spent like I used to babysit for a lawyer 
Um, so I was able to get a whole bunch of money and just like spend it on reptiles. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but like, I would buy like albino iguanas and just kind of take care of them and show how great of a pet they are and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's, I did that all the way up until like college. And then for college, um, I went to community college for two years. And then last year I just transferred to UCSB. Um, but when I was in community college was the first time that I went on Newport Coastal Adventure. That was like, oh. I had been on whale watch boats. It's actually funny. I had found the other day, my dad found a picture of me um, on the Condor Express when I was like eight years old, um, oh, wow. oh. which is pretty cool now that I, now I work yeah. for that company. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd always gone whale watching, like just as a kid, every couple years, my dad would take me. Um, but I really oh, started getting cool. into it in 2018. Um, I would go out with uh, Newport Coastal Adventure and um, I attribute, you know, a lot of my um, success and I guess, you know, my ability to photograph animals and do all that stuff a lot to those to those guys down there. Ryan really helped me along. Uh, He's the owner. Yeah, Um, I've worked for Ryan a few times. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. So he kind of I reached out to him when I was like, 18 and I was just like hey you know I love this stuff I I've been on your boat 10 times is there anything I can do to help or whatever and like he gave me like this little discount which like in hindsight um did a lot for me because I was able to get out a lot more um oh, that's, good. Aww, that's really cool so yeah that's kind of where everything started and then I became really good friends with Kristen and Mark um they really kind of helped me along um I attribute a lot to what I've done to Kristen, she's really taught, she really taught me how to photograph animals and how to be patient and how to edit photos um, Aww, and all that, so all that cool. kind of stuff. That's um, really nice. so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, something, something I've been curious about because, um, I mean, this is something I noticed a couple episodes ago, but everybody that we've had on the podcast so far, their stories kind of always started out to where they said that they didn't live near the ocean. And yet they were still really passionate about it. And it's really cool that you're technically our first one that was actually ever since you were little, you were closest mm-hmm. to the ocean. So do you think that it made a bigger impact on what you're doing now? Like, do you think anything would have been different if you didn't grow up near the ocean? Yeah, I mean, I like I, I guess I kind of grew up next to the ocean. Like I, I grew up in L.A., but mm-hmm. more on the mm-hmm. Like, you know, in LA, you could get to the ocean in 45 minutes or you can yeah. get there in three hours, yeah. you know? Oh, and yeah. I was, I was so pretty yeah. far inland, but I would get to the ocean as much as I could, um, whether I go there for surfing or just, you know, diving or just hanging out on the beach as a little kid and yeah. playing on the beach, you know? Um, but I think I've always kind of had this love for yeah. the ocean. Um, like I said, like that, that lake in my backyard kind of acted yeah. as my ocean mm-hmm. when I grew up. Um, so I attribute a lot of my love for the ocean to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of people are the same way. I, growing up in Florida, I would go to SeaWorld the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that really helped me um, just see dolphins and killer whales mm-hmm. at some point in my life. You know, I have this picture mm-hmm. of me like feeding a little fish to yeah. a dolphin. Um, and I think I'll always hold on to that. Obviously now. I don't support any of that stuff. I think mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. 
yeah I feel the worst (laughs) but you know it's weird too because I have a picture of me at um, SeaWorld right in front of the orca tank and Mm. you can see I'll have to look to see which one it might have been but it's weird to look at that photo and think of Mm. you know what I believe now but then it's also you know people growing up now look back on that and go oh you know I was there and it changes your mindset so it's like there's I -hmm. guess I mean I don't want to say a pro but it's almost like what would happen in our childhood if that wasn't there and I'm not like promoting it at all because I'm completely with you I don't I don't believe in like captivity unless it's for rehabilitation but it's weird to think about that none of us support captivity but there's no denying that like it's just it's human when you see an orca Mm -hmm. in person it sparks something inside of you like that's just a reality and like it's weird that in this day and age like whales live in little fish tanks on land like that's so awful and Mm -hmm. bad but I mean when you see an orca you are automatically inspired and attached to it in some way so like it does do something for you when you see one in your life and it's unfortunate that we have the you know ability to see them where what we should be doing is going to see them in their natural habitat you know but but yeah, so anybody I think who has been to SeaWorld obviously has been touched in some mm-hmm. way by seeing a whale. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, kind of back in the day, a lot of people didn't really know any better. Um, there wasn't a mm-hmm. whole a lot of research on these animals in yeah. the wild. Mm-hmm. And we just really didn't know how to handle it. But I, I think that it, we're living in a different day and age where yeah, definitely. we do know a lot about these animals. We know about their intelligence. We know about their social structures. And... Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's just modern times. You know, there's yeah. certain things as, as humanity progresses that yeah. should become outlawed and should be frowned upon. And that's one of those things that definitely, I think, should be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Things that definitely change, that's for sure. Yeah, things change. You know, I think SeaWorld has done a lot of good mm-hmm. in their time. I think yeah. a lot of people like us can attribute our love for animals to SeaWorld, like we were saying. And they've done a whole ton of research and, you know, we wouldn't know what we know about killer whales if they weren't in captivity at some point, you know, that's just facts. We've learned a whole ton just from keeping animals in captivity. Um, But bottom line, that ship has sailed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's put exactly the ones where we know, like right where they came from, we know who their families are. Like, I don't know. That's just not right. Yeah, like Lolita. Um, yeah, exactly. Her mother is still alive, and she's been in captivity for fifty years. It's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, like what animal is used in shows for fifty years yeah. and not retiring it? It's insanity. Anyway, I could go I off on that for so long. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all could. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. I think we'll look back on it someday as a kind of barbaric time in humanity. Um, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Once we really, I mean, I don't think we'll ever fully understand um, orca or sinus orcas, you know, to mm-hmm. the to the max. I think they're a vastly complicated species that I don't think yeah. we'll ever fully understand. But I think once we yeah. get a little bit more advanced, we'll we'll kind of see how barbaric it was to kind of keep them and just even like yeah. you know back yeah, in the day how sure. they captured them. It's just so yeah Viking esque to me, but. Yeah, I think hopefully we'll learn. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah. So what were we even talking about before that whole tangent? <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> um, I could definitely talk about the Baja experience that I had. Yes, definitely do. Um, so that was uh, my community college in Los Angeles, uh, Glendale Community College, um, offered this program. They're the only, I think they're the only, they're the only community college or one of the only community colleges in the United States that has a um, a station, a field study station outside of the U.S. Um, oh, wow. So down in Mexico. Um, and yeah, that was an amazing experience. This course over the, over the summer months, I did it two years in a row. Um, I did like my own independent research project that I kind of came up with and devised all myself. Oh, wow. um, and so we'd spend like two weeks in um, the U.S. just going to classes and kind of learning about what we were expected to see, um, the processes of the ocean goes through, whether that be the stratified water column, ocean acidification, um, kind of how phytoplankton, cyanobacteria, um, you know, produce oxygen, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we spent two weeks down in Mexico, um, either there's two classes. So like one class would just, it was like a marine biology class, but it was in the field. And then the other class was like an independent, uh, research class. And so the first year I went, I did this kind of like um, whale shark identification. I started this whale shark identification booklet, essentially. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, we would just dive with these whale sharks and um, take a picture of their left side. um, If you can get the left side and you get it right behind the uh, peck fin. And there's, you know, every whale shark has a different Mm -hmm. pattern of dots. um, Right. Is, is an identifying factor for them um, that's so cool now, are they more i i would assume that they would be more um harder to identify than let's say a humpback is that true do you feel like it's a little harder to, yeah to do that yeah so like with humpbacks right we have the fluke and they almost they put it up on almost every dive right and each one's unique right um there's some there can be some you know unique identifying factors like a lot of them there sadly get struck by boats um, so if they have a prop scar on their tail, that's the identifying factor. Um, mm-hmm. Some get them on the dorsal fins, which you can definitely see. Um, but yeah, it, essentially, it's just a different uh, dot orientation on their left side or on their whole body. But you try to get a same picture in the okay. same spot. Um, and yeah, so it's just like a fingerprint. Um, it's essentially just like identifying a humpback, except you have to get in the water with them to identify them for the most part, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot more Mm-hmm. yeah so are you still there yeah oh, okay okay so, sorry that just, sorry, I know I'm it's cutting down a little bit um, oh okay <laughs> uh, um, that's really cool though so was there no um, whale shark identifying like um, catalog or anything there previous? so the, the town um, this town um, is literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like a 14 hour drive from Los Angeles, California. Oh, um, oh, wow. And yeah, just like in the middle of nowhere. Um, so just a tiny little town. Um, it's absolutely beautiful there. Um, I think the town is like less than a thousand people. Um, wow. And I think the museum had started um, a whale shark identification process, um, but hadn't really finished it. So I was kind of working with them as well. Um, but Oh, that's so cool. That just goes to show that, like, there's still so many unidentified 
individuals in you know like all totally and, and the whole point yeah. of you know doing that was that whale sharks in 2016 were put on the endangered species list um because their populations have been declining mm-hmm. because of shark fin soup um people have mm-hmm. kind of started to transition to killing them just because they're big and easy and they have a big dorsal fin that you can cut up and chop up um but mm-hmm. you know in, in the 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 endangered species act and the endangered species list around the world the iucn red list the point of those is to is to rebound populations and um you can't really do that unless you know where their breeding ground is right so like with humpback whales we've been able to protect areas where they calve around the world um same thing with blue whales um but with whale sharks we still really haven't found where they give birth um a lot of people think it's off the galapagos but we're just not totally sure yet because we've never seen one give birth um and their migration patterns are a little bit different um but yeah that's the whole point of that um kind of identification process but it was cool like the first um time i swam with a whale shark i jumped in got a photo of it um i named her brucey after uh nemo yeah Um, but yeah so that was a female about a 25 foot female and we saw her like this kind of part of like this little bay enclosement area and i went back the next year and it was exactly a year and two days apart jumped in with the whale shark took a photo of it and it was the exact same whale in the exact same location a year and two days apart that is really so that was once that happened i was like oh my gosh that's like wow you know what are the exactly. chances? That's um, really cool. And so I got photos of about a dozen, yeah, about a dozen whale sharks. Um, I would love to go back and continue that research. Um, yeah. But I've kind of transitioned to working in Washington over the summer. Yeah, for now. Yeah, exactly. You for know, now, like I, can, I can always go back. Um, and then the second, the second year, yeah. I continued that whale shark identification stuff. But um, I also did research on microplastics. Um, because that's oh. something I am oh, cool. also really passionate about. Um, just the plastic pollution that we exploit and kind of put into our oceans around the world. Um, and that was kind of mm-hmm. just, just an abundance um, estimate, essentially. Um, and, you know, that's Bayo de Los Angeles is like one of the most secluded spots in the world, I would say. It's right mm-hmm. in the uh, mm-hmm. Gulf of California, right? It's about halfway down. Um, it's really just difficult to access. So I was thinking, you know, if 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 our impact on this planet has been so big that it, plastics are here, you know, that's that's not a good sign. But mm-hmm. so I, I did find some plastics. Um, I think I found about 50, um, 50 like little pieces of plastic. Um, I did like three different three toes in three different areas. Uh, we used like a plankton net to kind of collect. Um, these little microplastics mm-hmm. and most of them were secondary microplastics which means they've broken off of a of a bigger piece of plastic right so yeah. in that case it's hard to really um, <clears throat> estimate or guess where it's coming from you know like it could have been from the town yeah um, just negligence yeah. from the um, people that live there it could have been from a town up up the up the coast um, or it could, you know, mm-hmm. been the plastic from the U.S. Um, it's it's really hard to tell. Um, so it's just an an abundance estimate, just to see if it was actually there. But um, I would love to go back and see 
actually try to find where it's coming from because then you can kind of stop it from yeah. the source, you know. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Really cool. Oh wow, that's really neat. Yeah. Um, well speaking of like abundance, do you know how many whale sharks are left like in the world? Is there an estimation? Uh, they're 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 I don't I don't know the estimation. Um they are endangered. They're just classified as endangered. Um I can look it up real quick. But um yeah, so they're just put on the endangered Diocesan red list. Um but yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know their populations have definitely been declining um, just because of the... Yeah, I wonder if start. it's like, if I had to guess, I wonder if there, if that means there's like, realistically like 5,000 or less? I'm sure there's more than or that. Like, I'd probably say like, mm, I don't know, ballpark estimate, like 25,000, okay. 100,000, maybe something like Holy that. Holy crap. Um, okay. But still, that's like hardly any yeah. if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, and the, the thing about them is, in the scheme is that things? they take a long, t- a decently long time to mature. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, when you don't know where their breeding grounds are, it's it's really hard to protect them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. Huh. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it was cool, though, because so I recently went down to Mexico and um, got to do a snorkel with a whale shark, too. And that was in Magdalena Bay. No, 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 no. Sorry. That was off the pause that I did that. And oh, my God, it was the most amazing thing. I love them and their little scopey eyes. (laughs) I was trying to find the eyes and I was like, yeah, that's so tiny. It looks like a little nostril. (laughs) Um. But it was cool, sort of, when we were there, they're so conscious about protecting them that there's actually, uh, uh, what is it, NGO, a non-governmental organization, basically shark or whale shark yeah. police. So they're funded by basically donations, I guess, but they're out there every day policing the whale sharks to protect them. So they regulate how many boats can be on scene with one how many people can be in the water with one and they're out there like regulating every day um so when i went um our time to be there was 10 o'clock in the morning we didn't get in the water with them until like 2 30 because we had to wait because there was too many boats in the area so we waited for four hours but i didn't mind at all because i mean i was in mexico it was beautiful we were out there everybody was just having the best time ever there was probably like 10 12 people on our boat and we could only get in the water in groups of two or three um yeah and so everybody except it was weird like i would say out of like 10 people eight people didn't want to go in the water a second time (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i was just like get me yeah totally now it was I was like, I can't get enough of this. When we left, I was like, no, I'm not done. I love it. It was just, I could spend all day, except for the fact that you have to swim so fast. This one, anyway. The one that we were with was so fast, and I can't swim <laughs> that fast. I was out of breath by the time I got yeah, back in. Or I out totally of water. agree with you. Was, was it like that when you did it? Yeah, so the, the best time to catch them... I... I'm trying to think. I don't know if they feed in La Paz. Um, they weren't yeah. feeding when I saw them, but that doesn't mean that they exactly. don't. Exactly. So like in like so that. Bahia de los Angeles is just a is just a little probably like five or six hours north of La Paz, um, and they they oh. 
the way that the the little bay is is that currents come up from the south and it kind of um the bay traps it in the north and it kind of circulates and creates this kind of like current yeah upwelling kind of current and it kind of traps like plankton and stuff and so that's the whale sharks migrate there to feed and um the best the best time to catch them is when they're vertically feeding they just sit there in the water column totally straight up and down um and just opening their mouths closing their mouths and just filtering filtering plankton through their mouth that was really cool to see i have this one clip where i literally just swam up to this thing like stared it straight in the eye and like had my gopro like oh. you can see the whole mouth opening and closing and um oh, wow. Whoa, that's it was so really cool. cool um but yeah mexico is pretty you know people give mexico a lot of crap um i don't know why i think it's a beautiful country and <laughs> hardworking yeah. people and everything um, but people give them a lot of crap but they really do care about their wildlife we had the same kind of regulations there um, even though we were a college group studying them um, you know you um, could only have four people in the water with a shark at a time two on each side um, and they were in the second year I went there they actually closed half of the bay and that was just strictly for the whale sharks um, you couldn't enter that whatsoever um, whether you were a fisherman or a researcher huh. or whatever you know so they really do care about their animals I know um, I talked to Delaney yeah. pretty much every day and uh, she was just in Cabo and you know they do a lot of restrictions there on their um, breeding humpbacks and calving humpbacks um, a lot more stringent than we have it here in the U.S. so Mexico does the, does do a really good job at protecting yeah. their wildlife and kind of regulating it yeah uh, but yeah they, they are I thought Mexico was like the yeah best I place absolutely ever. love it um yeah, those those guys are quick. They kind of look like lumbering giants, but uh, a few a few swipes <laughs> of that tail and they're kind of gone. So you gotta, gotta yeah, yeah. make sure you got your lungs filled with oxygen to uh, keep up with them. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so cool. So, what other project sort of thing did you do? Um, that's pretty much it that I did at the community college. Um, here at UCSB, I really haven't done a whole lot of research projects. Um, <laughs> As, as much as I would like to. Um, I did this one that was just kind of a, we made a research buoy and put it off the campus um, that would just test, you know, salinity, temperature, um, wave height. It was kind of, my professor wanted it to kind of be um, for a, like for surfers. So people could go online and see what the waves were like. Um, that was fun, just huh. kind of somewhere in the ballpark. Uh, but since since yeah. then, you know, um, I haven't done a whole lot of research stuff. Um, there's a professor here that I tried to get to work with. Um, he is like a world-renowned marine biologist. Um, his, to get like to get into his research team is pretty tough. Um, so I didn't hear back from him. But he does a lot of blue whale research here in the Santa Barbara Channel, oh, and wow. uh, he does a lot of shark tagging as well, uh, gray white shark tagging. Oh, um, cool. Well, you know what? You should reach out to me. I know. I've reached out to him a few times. I don't know why I haven't received an email back. I thought I'd be a perfect candidate, but I guess not. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. um, Yeah. You should at least like try one more time because sometimes they need to hear from you. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you just got to push it. Um, Yeah. You got to like, you have to, if the door isn't open, you have to open it sort of deal. Like in this industry, like it is difficult to get whale related projects. It is. Um. So it's cool to hear about like all these different pathways that people take and different projects that they work on and how they got there because it is interesting for people who like don't know how to get into the field but want to like different routes that you can take. Totally, sort I mean, of. there's a million different routes you can take. Like, um, yeah, 
last year. So I, we just happened to be like, the yeah, same exactly. <laughs> um, so like I kind of started working for the Condor um, last year. I like booked a whale watch trip with them. Um, this is like back in like January of last year. Um, and it was canceled due to, um, due to weather, crappy weather. And one of the dudes working there, it was actually into my high school. He was in, he, I knew him from high, from my high school and he called me up. He's like, Hey, is this Adam Ernster? I'm like, yeah, who's this? And he's like, Oh, it's Nico. I work at the sailing center with Santa, uh, with Condor Express. Like we had to cancel your trip or whatever. Um, and that like, just, just something like that, something random like that totally sparked it. Um, they didn't have somebody doing their social media at the time. And it was, to be honest, like it was just trash. It was like God awful. Um, and so I just reached out and I was like, Hey, um, I would love to just, you know, take photos for your social media in exchange for like free trips. Um, I know nobody's really doing that for you guys. And I think that would really bump your social media and, you know, bump ticket sales and everything like that. So I worked for them for free for like six months, you know, and you gotta, you really gotta be willing to do that. Um, and then I worked for free for a long time. And then I talked to my boss and I was like, Hey, um, would it be okay if I just sold, you know, um, photo packages on the boat and they were totally okay with that. Um, so I made a little bit money on the side. And then after that, I kind of, um, got the actual like big social media position. So now, now I do all their social media. Um, that is so yeah, cool. You know, it really takes like, That's a really cool that is like cool. That. Yeah. It, it, and I think, you know, my boss, um, Dave, he's been, he used to, um, do a bunch of underwater camera work and he's been in the whale industry for, you know, like since the Eocene, you know, like, <laughs> um, but he, he, uh, is so passionate about it. And I think once he saw my passion for it, um, he did everything he can to help me. Um, and he still does to this day, you know, and, and I think that's really what it takes is, you know, reaching out, you know, you don't, you never know who needs a position or where your skills can be used. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, just reaching out and like being yeah. able to work for free. I know it's obviously not the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. um, but just doing that and showing your passion, I think yeah. other passionate people will get a hold of that and uh, really help you along the way yeah. if they're truly passionate about it. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think Kirsty, that's kind of how you came about on Sanctuary as well. Like you, I think, re- I don't know if you reached out to me, I got you on the boat and then after a while you just, you wanted yeah. to be like an intern so from going on the whale watch, you just basically talked mm-hmm. to the owner, Mike, who was the captain, and asked if he needed a hand doing anything. And you were basically willing to work for free just to come yeah. out whale watching sort of deal. But I guarantee that if, like, Mike needed hand, needed a hand, you know, as a naturalist or whatever, yeah. he would hire you it was in a an instant if you I lived mean, in that Yeah, you know, area. and that's, that's all it really takes yeah. is just, like, reaching out and and kind of yeah. showing that passion and, like, drive mm-hmm. i think people see that and they kind of attach to that so yeah yeah it really does make huh. a difference. social media can be so... good at times <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely for uh like from a business standpoint like your your guys's social media is incredible yeah. because you do it <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's like it is really good it's so good so and i think other um i don't know i feel like other companies like might have gotten the hint from that I don't know because now I feel like a lot of people yeah have amped up their game yeah I mean like when I first started doing the social media I think we had like 400 Instagram followers and now we're at like 4,000 and that's awesome um, and I mean we get messages on there all the time of like people saying like oh I saw your video online and you know I really wanted to book a trip with you you know something as simple as that 
Um, and that's just, you know, one way to get into it. You know, obviously um, I do a lot more social media than deckhand stuff, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. just, just at this particular company, but, you know, just, just figure out what you're good at and, and try to apply that to what you want to do. Right. Like, yeah. Um, I'm also starting to get into more like data science. Um, I really want to look at, you know, population trends of different animals over like a 10 year span. Mm-hmm. And like, we've been keeping a captain's blog on the Condor Express for 10 or 15 years. So essentially what I've been, do- what I've been doing recently is just compiling all that data into graphs and wow. seeing how the populations of different animals change. Like, um, for instance, last year we didn't see, I think we saw one blue whale the entire summer. Right. And that's very odd for us. Usually yeah. we see 10 to 50 a week um, in the summer months. Oh, wow. So that was kind of eye opening. And we're going to see how that changes this summer as well. But wait, that was last yeah, summer? This, or this past that? summer, we didn't see any Whoa, blue whales. And we didn't have any krill, you know? And that's every year, every year oh, for man. the past, I think, 30 years, we've had just amazing numbers of blue whales because they, they migrate to our, fa- to our channel to feed. Um, and last year was the first year where we got none. wow. So that was pretty alarming. That's so we're not weird. sure. That me that's that'll be interesting to see what this exactly. year is like then yeah. because and that's, that's something like, that's, that's scary. scary. I talked about on our last episode with everything going on and boats not really being out in the water. Like, how much is that going to change the marine life? So I'm curious how that alone is going to change just in that area. Well, does. for one, we won't really get an accurate count on how many there yeah, are because there. nobody's out there looking yeah. for them at the moment. So that's already kind of like skewed. But, um, huh, that is that is really interesting. Well, and I've thought many times before that there should be like people who work on whale watch boats are out there mo- most often than mm-hmm. like anyone, even people doing research. So there should be research done on I every whale watch boat. Agree. It's like while the boat is there, there should yeah. be science taking totally. place. No, I, I totally think. agree with you. And and it's surprising that there's mm-hmm. not. Like, I think every single company who's had a captain log for a long time should be doing research with that. Yeah, and that's just that's just that's probably the most simple thing you can do, right? Like, I'm not very big at yeah. coding or anything, but like, if you know R or you know like Excel, you know Microsoft Excel, or like something simple like that, you can you can go to these companies and say like, look, like I think it would be beneficial for you to really um, express your love of science and your love of the ocean and show how oceans are changing and, and, you know, what you can be doing to, you know, lessen that impact or, you know, whatever it is, it could be that aspect. You could be a great public speaker. You could tell the company, Hey, I'd love to, you know, um, work on your advertisement or marketing team and kind of just go down, go downtown and, and talk to people about whales, you know, there's just there's so many different things that you can do to to get into this industry um and i i get it's hard i guess i kind of like i said i attribute a lot of that to ryan just you know being able to get me out on the boats for cheaper um and uh whether that be the success or like you know hanging out with Kristen and mark and learning how to photograph animals from them or you know whatever it is um, people are people will be willing to help you along the way you just got to show them that you're yeah really passionate about it so I think that's what it comes down to yeah 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 I think people also they can really uh-huh. see like if you're truly passionate about it or not too I think totally yeah totally 
Yeah. Uh, so um, there's one thing that I wanted to ask you about, too, and then I wanted you to tell your story and then me to tell mine and then Kirstie to tell her story <laughs> of this. So tell us about the first time you ever did see an orca in the wild. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so this is a funny story. Um, back when I graduated high school in 2016, me and my two best friends decided to take a road trip um up to the pacific northwest to go kayak with killer whales oh that's awesome and so i remember the night before we had stayed at my buddy's cousin's house in portland and we had like a a nine o'clock or ten o'clock um kayaking trip with killer whales so i think we left at like one in the morning or something to go up to drive up there and um we didn't account for seattle traffic Seattle traffic is like the worst traffic I've ever encountered, and I've lived in LA pretty much my entire life. So like, yeah, it it can be it's awful. Like, there's just one freeway that goes through the whole um, city, Mm -hmm. and it's just it's awful. Um, I used to have to commute from Port Angeles to Seattle, and a two and a half hour commute, and I would have to drive an hour, take a ferry. Um and then get off downtown Seattle and have to rent a bike. Oh my gosh. And bike a mile to the boat. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was such a crazy commute, but it was worth it. But anyway, yeah. So Yeah, it was it was really bad. But so I, we didn't account for Seattle traffic, so we were like an hour behind schedule and I was like, Listen, I've wanted to see killer whales in the wild my entire life. I'm not gonna let this stop me. So I just floored it and I was going like <laughs> like 100 miles per hour like it was probably not the safest thing to do but i was determined <laughs> and, and it bit me in the butt because i got pulled over of course oh no and, you know i got like this 150 dollar <laughs> ticket whatever oh. but even after that i was like i don't care i'm still gonna i'm still <laughs> gonna try my best you know so um so so the ferry was leaving from anacortes over to uh san juan and right as we were pulling up um right as we were pulling up we saw the ferry pull away and like my heart just like like stopped and I was just like oh my gosh we just like did all this stuff and I got a ticket and like all this crap for like um nothing right and so like I sat there for a second and I was like no like I'm I'm not gonna let this stop me yeah um so I (laughs) called I called the local airport and I was like, "Hey, can I rent no. out? A, can I rent out a plane?" Oh my god! Um, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like three hundred bucks." And I was like, "Oh shit, okay." Um, so I paid the three hundred dollars to me. And my no, two buddies flew. Yeah, we like flew over the ferry on the way over. We like kind of oh might have flipped off the ferry. Um, just kidding. Um, but yeah, so we like <laughs> flew over to San Juan. Um. And, like, looking back on it, it was really stupid because, like, seeing killer whales from a kayak is, like, like, I worked in Washington this past summer, and over the three months I was there, I saw killer whales from a kayak twice. Wow. And it just so happened that the, (laughs) literally the second we got in the kayak, our guy was like, oh, look, there's killer whales. Um, So we all paddled out there, and, like, you're supposed to stay, like, 400 yards away from them on a paddle, uh, on a kayak, so you don't see them very well but um i do remember it was j-pod i do remember seeing granny i Aww. do oh my god remember she had just died the year before when i worked really? in washington yeah. so i never saw yeah granny. so i think our 
tour was like one of the last tours to actually see her um which was oh, wow. pretty wow. crazy um but yeah that's tell who granny is for people who don't yeah know. so granny's just um was the matriarch for j-pod for a really long time she's really identifiable by her kind of like people say it looks like a like a human bite out of her dorsal fin she's like a circular bite out of her dorsal fin um but her designation wow. was j2 um j2 granny she's really easy to identify and um she's had a ton of calves over the year um but obviously killer whales are one of the uh four or three or four animals on the planet besides humans that go through uh menopause so she was in her later mm-hmm. you know days and i think her estimation of age was around 105 years old um oh, when wow. she died yeah so that's what we 105 yeah that's what we call her granny and she could have been older but the only reason they think 105 is because the first identifying like dorsal fin shot that they got of her was 105 years ago like and she was crazy so she yeah so she could have been a little older than that which is so cool cool. yes so a lot a lot of people you know attribute their love of you know southern resident killer whales to granny um she was very just influential and and uh, just a, just an awesome whale. Um, so I was very fortunate to see I her. I learned a lot about whales yes, from her. Yes, a whole ton about her and just the social structure. And, you know, like like I yeah. said, she was a, a postmenopausal uh, female. So she didn't offer, you know, any new calves or anything. But she did have all that knowledge from her 100 plus years of mm-hmm. life um, that we think that they really used. So just yeah. an amazing whale. Yeah. And I'm really fortunate that I got to see her before she uh, passed away. Yeah, that's so cool. So when you saw her, that's the first time that you saw killer whales? Yeah, so that's the first time I saw them in the wild, um, and that was in 2016. Um, And the second time was actually the ETPs, which was pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Explain. Oh, wait. Well, I guess we already talked a little bit about those, but it's Eastern Tropical. Yeah, Pacific. Um, Pacific. So, yeah, that population is a population that's known to be off of costa rica and um mexico and they sometimes make it as far north as southern california just about once or twice a year um we'll get a sighting of them and uh they're just a really unique population they have really dark saddle patches almost like faded saddle patches um that's a great way to to identify them they can travel in pods from like three to ten and um we think they kind of eat everything um there's been reports of them eating sharks and skates and rays and also you know common dolphins yeah i I didn't know that they ate dolphins and sharks yeah so that's really one of the only populations if not the only population that i know of or ecotype that i know of that is has been recorded eating both um huh that's so interesting because Usually, they're such like specific eaters that like some will only eat sharks and rays, some will only eat mammals, some will only yeah. eat fish. So maybe there's hope. <laughs> I doubt it, but maybe there's hope that like residents will start eating mammals. I, I wish. I wish that survive. was the case. Um, realistically, I don't. I don't think that would happen just because. I don't you know, either. like it's just so rooted in their um, DNA and culture, right? So like. Uh, I think a study came out and said, based on genetic testing, that um, bigs, um, marine mammal-eating killer whales, and residents, which are the fish-eating killer whales, departed about 700,000 years ago. Um, oh, whoa. Uh, For some reason, I thought it was 100. Yeah, it's about 700,000 years. And that's a long, long time. Um, whoa. For... So they're, like, they're basically a they're separate ba- Yeah, species. they're 100%. Like, I know like... that that's 
they yeah, I don't know are. why we scientists or whoever doesn't designate them as different species. I wonder species, if it's but... because they could. I mean, they're so genetically similar that they can reproduce viable young. I like, guess. I'm pretty sure maybe I don't, that's I just don't even. I, I mean, I guess they could. But... Because they've only ever done that, though, in captivity. They would never. Oh, yeah. Do that in, in the wild, wild, I think there's over the. I think the Center for Whale Research started studying them in like the 60s or 70s. And I think there's only been a few reported cases of them interacting. One, um, the residents had a new calf and uh, they chased a pot of transients to come into the area and the residents had chased them off. Um, which you would think would go the other way around, like, right? Like most people would think like the marine mammal eating killer whales would kind of be the bosses. Um, That's what I thought you were going to say is that they went after the calf. Yeah, no, but you know, the residents were just protecting their calf um, and they chased them away and they had some, yeah. some rake marks on their flukes and stuff. And I think the other one was like, wow. um, there's a few over the years, but another one that I know of is, um, I can't remember his active pass, the Strait of Georgia or where it was, but one group had reported um, a pot of bigs just flying out of the water. Oh. Um, traveling really fast, porpoising out of the water, headed south really quick. And then another boat had reported a J-pod north of them. So those bigs were just fleeing the area as fast as they can. Um, and besides oh. that, like, we don't see them interact at all. Whenever we see both populations popping up in the same spot, um, like the same area, they definitely do avoid each other. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely avoid. That's so interesting that they, like, I, I don't know. I just, oh, it's just so many questions <laughs> that I want answered. Like, do they recognize them as the same species or do they think, like, do they think that they're so different that they're. Yeah, that's, that's another good question. You know, like, um, bigs, well, exactly. Like, like bigs have though. like just a less than a dozen, I think, different vocals and clicks and sounds that they make um, just because they're hunting marine mammals and most of their food can hear them back once they're echolocating and hunting. Mm-hmm. So they kind of go silent. Um, but the the residents have dozens and dozens of different clicks and sounds and communicative uh, noises that they make. So I don't even think they, I mean, I know they can't communicate with each other. Um, but yeah, it's just, just well, that's what we think. I'm sure they, like, they, I think they can communicate. They probably like, cause mm-hmm. they know that they're around and they understand what it is, but they don't like, they don't. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a different like they don't have a language they don't <laughs> yeah, speak it's a different the same dialect, language right? so. that's so crazy to me too yeah to think that it's so that interesting they, they can't communicate yeah. with one another like you said they have they most likely have a different language but well and i think i think that's a, yeah unless yeah, they true. can and yeah true um i think that's i mean one of my biggest gripes with captivity right is like you take a killer whale from russia you mm-hmm. take one from iceland you take one from the pacific northwest you take one from wherever else and you put them in a tank together and you expect them to get yeah. along but they can't talk to each other so like how they don't feel exactly that's like honestly taking yeah a person from like india from like yeah exactly every and continent them... sticking them in a bathtub yeah. together and then... and then expecting them to live this peaceful yeah existence. and that's why you see killer whales in the in captivity with all these rake marks and you know you see them beating up on each other and i'm pretty sure a few in captivity have killed one another you know um Oh, they have. And it's interesting because, like, sometimes they do learn to at least coexist. Like, whether they get along or not, we don't know. I know they have mated. I don't actually know, though, if they've naturally mated or if it's... probably artificial artificial. insemination. 
That I'm is not, so I'm sick. I'm not 100 sure on that, but, but but anyway, we know that they 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 do coexist sometimes together. So maybe they do figure out how to communicate with each other. Like they just develop. Yeah, they totally could. And a lot of those calves, or a lot of the whales they get, were they started as calves, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's another great question. Hmm. I wonder if anybody is looking into that. Like what language basically captive um, born of like two different ecotypes, what they're, what they yeah, communicate like. Great question. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Love> <laughs> <whales>. <laughs> that we all. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Man, I mean, we've already been talking for like with the two segments, <laughs> sort of like over an hour, and like I talk, I could talk for another oh, five years. Um, yeah, that's just what uh, talking about whales, especially when we're in like yeah, quarantine right. <laughs> and we're away from like all our whale friends. It's just like we want to chat forever. Maybe we'll have a part two, but um, but yeah. So yeah, it's been really cool to like hear about all the stuff you've done. I want to hear more about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I feel like I learned a lot about myself talking about myself but I don't normally tend to do that like you know I, that's why I like your guys' podcast it's based around other people in our industry and you can kind of learn the different routes people take and and see how we all love the same thing and just how we can kind of share that yeah. I think is really important yeah yeah definitely that's kind of we're all kind of yeah mm-hmm. we all have the same mission yeah sort totally of. <laughs> And now it feels I like know. we make all these new friends, so it's really cool. I want to, like, connect every person who's found the podcast Yeah, that's, like, <laughs> the beauty, I think, of social media. Like, people view it, social media, in so many different ways, right? But I just view it as a way to, to connect people. Like, that's yeah. my ultimate mission is to just, like, connect people with nature, um, whether that be physically on a boat or over social media or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. I just think that's extremely important, you know, so. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, is there like what's one final thing that you want to tell us or tell the world? <laughs> um, <laughs> tell the future ocean lovers. I would tell people to uh, you know, love hard and 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 work hard. Um and yeah, like just just get get something in mind and 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 fight for it, you know, whether that be fighting for the southern resident killer whales or fighting climate change or fighting ocean acidification or you know whatever it is um fighting for a relationship you know whatever like i think yeah especially during these times like during this quarantine Mm -hmm. time we've had a lot of time to reflect and just see how how (laughs) how bad we are as a species how like how how destructive destructive and how i guess destructive is right or just like you know how badly we communicate and yeah. just you know just a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. things right so i think it's really important just to to really find a group that you feel comfortable in and you know spread what you love i think i think that's the point of life is to just do what you love right and yeah yeah and exactly i think yeah i totally agree with that and i feel like doing that and like accepting yeah i don't know just like who i am and really just diving into that has made life mm-hmm. so much better yeah and like 
and like totally. sharing it with other and, people and I think that's what yeah, it's about. Yeah, no matter what you love, you know, I think you'll always find a group of people that love the same thing. Um and people that are willing to help you and people that are willing to share their knowledge and love and whatever. Um but in in terms of like getting a, a job or something like that in the industry, it's just like like I said, like you gotta be able to work for free. Yeah. You know, you you got you gotta mm-hmm. be able to reach out to people. You gotta have like I, I feel like some people have it and some people don't. I'm not sure what it is, but like you know when you see it. Yeah. Like yeah, it's just that drive and passion. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I also feel like too, if yeah. you're willing to work for free, then I think that shows right there that that's what you're passionate about. If you take a step back and you think like, yeah. oh, there's no yeah. way I can do that, then you're probably not doing what you absolutely love. So yeah, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, and even if it's like, even if you don't get a position out of something, like it doesn't hurt to reach yeah. out to a naturalist on a boat or the owner of a company or whatever, you know, I mean, you're just building connections. That's what everything is about. Right. So like, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think, I think the naturalist position is, I mean, I hope something I want to work on is like making the naturalist position um, a lot more like, like cool. You know, I think it's the mm-hmm. coolest job in the world and I want to share that. Yeah. I want to share the coolest that with job people. In the world. So yeah, I think, exactly. People don't even know yeah, that it's exactly. a job. Yeah. People think we do this for a hobby, but it's like, this is my life. This is my, what I want to do for yeah, the rest exactly. of my life. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it can be your life. It can be your career if you, you know, work hard enough and make it totally. your career. It's like it's not necessarily easy, but it's worth it. We yeah. have the coolest job. Yeah, in the I think whole so world. too. And like, you don't have to be a marine biologist. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's one way to do it. And I I think marine biologists aren't lucky enough to do what we do. A lot of them are stuck in labs and stuff, and you got to go through yeah. eight years of college, and you know, you got to get a PhD and all this stuff. And you know, maybe that's not. Like, not to crush anybody's dreams out there or anything. Like, Delaney and I talk about this all the time. People tell us they want to be a marine biologist. And it's like, well, I'm not a marine biologist. I'm studying environmental science, you know. But there's just a million ways Mm -hmm. to attack this. And I think if you really love the oceans and you want to protect it, you'll you'll get there. So just just work hard, love hard, and and make some friends along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... The, we have to uh, make ah. naturalists cool. That's That's literally my goal. And so, like, something I've been working on, I, I, I want to keep talking, but I know we're supposed to end this soon. But, like... Um, no, 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 keep talking. Like, I've been really focused on video editing and trying to be more professional in my videography and all that stuff. And just, you know, like, putting cool music behind, you know, yeah. videos of, of whales and, and, you know, whatever it is. Like, we're making mm-hmm. nature documentaries. I'm working on a on my own Santa Barbara channel nature documentary with my company. Oh, you know, wow. just, yeah, oh my gosh, so hopefully that's so cool. You're like giving me ideas for what I need yeah, to do. Yeah, and like you job. can all, <laughs> like there's just so many ways to attack it, but yeah, you know, like I don't know. <laughs> just you know, I, I, I wanna make the position cool. I wanna make it like a a, a worldwide thing. I wanna make it, you know, hip. Like if people can get millions of views and, and make a living off of, you know, whether that be makeup or like pranks or like whatever online i think our jobs are 10 times cooler than that and i think you can definitely spread the love and also obviously not lose sight and that'll only exactly that's that's the goal that's the goal that is the goal that's what we all do sustainable sustainability love for the planet and and a strive and a drive to to save it i think that's that should be the ultimate goal yeah always 
Yeah, we all just need to shout our love of exactly. whales on the rooftops. Yes. Preach. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, so cool. Well, it was so nice yes, chatting please. with you. Honestly, let's do another episode. Yeah. And we'll dive in. Yeah, hopefully more. once everybody's back on the water and stuff, um, we'll all have a lot more to talk yeah, about. But yeah, I would I would love to do another episode. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Cool. Um, it was awesome. Cool. Tell tell our um, listeners where they yeah, can so find you. Yeah, so you guys can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, Instagram is just Adam underscore Ernster, E-R-N-S-T-E-R. Um, you can shoot me a DM if you want to talk about anything. I respect every single comment and DM and whatever. Um, I think that's also important, like, I'm just a 21 year old dude but you know I have a lot of people that message me all the time just like telling me how much they love my pictures and whatever and how much that inspires them so I try my best to respond to everything and and you know just further connect our community Um, but then Facebook is just Adam Ernster Photography Um, and yeah if you guys reach out to me I'll get back to you and we can chat about whales cool yay thank you all right girls thank Thank you you. I appreciate it yeah all right bye bye everybody thank you guys for listening like what else did you do